was just thinking this morning before I came up into the service that, you know, John's gospel, the 13th chapter, uh, Jesus, as he's preparing to complete his mission, to culminate his mission on uh, Calvary's hill, Golgotha, the place of the skull where the cross was placed and Jesus was nailed to that cross. He said, I'm going to a place you can't come with me, not yet anyway, but he said, um, but I'm going to leave you with a new commandment. He said that you love one another in the same way that I have loved you. That's a tall order. And, you know, but we can do it because he doesn't tell us to do something that we can't do. But he gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us and to empower us to be able to do what he tells us to do. So there's not a thing in the Bible that we are commanded to do or challenged to do or called to do that we can't do. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And that means loving one another. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another in the same manner as I have loved you. But then he goes on and he explains this. When you do that, that's when the world will know that you are my disciples. The greatest message that we can send and capture the attention of our broken world is love. It's love. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another to the same degree, the same level that I have loved you. In, uh, in 1 John, the same apostle years later wrote letters. And in one of his letters, the first one he wrote, he says in verse 7 of chapter 4, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Anyone who loves knows God and is a child of God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. You know, when we, when we allow the love of God to be worked into our life, and that's possible. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural miracle. The love of God can be imparted, it can be planted, it can be bestowed, it, it can be impregnated into the womb of our soul. And, and when that happens and the love of God is worked into us and then we pos position ourselves to allow the love of God to be worked through us, we will start to make a difference in our world. We will start to have an impact upon broken people, hurting people, wounded people. When the love of God is worked into us and then we allow it to be worked through us, we will start to see a difference and we will become very, very magnetic. You know, love is a magnetic thing. Jesus was very attracted to people, but Jesus was also very attractive to people. He, he had people looking for him. He had people running after him. People would get up and go in search of him. Why was it? It was his love. 
It was his genuine love for people. It was his heart and his compassion for people. He was very, very magnetic to people. People were attracted to him. Even angry, messed up people were drawn to him. You would think he was so holy that they would have been repelled by him. That they would have avoided him. That they would have felt guilty in his presence. But there was something about Jesus that he attracted broken, hurting, wounded people. He was magnetic. He, he was like you know, honey to, a, to a, an ant. They looked for him. They wanted to be in his presence. I, I can understand you know, Jesus having love for people when it comes to people like the widow of Nain. You know, he arrives at the city of Nain and the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 7 that they're carrying a dead man out through the gates. And Jesus looks up and he sees the dead man's mother who was a widow. So back in those days, she was shot. Not only has her husband gone, the provider of the family, but now her son, who was a security for further provision, has now died and he has compassion. I can understand having compassion in a situation like that, can't you? But he had compassion for everybody. He had compassion for the demoniac. I don't know about you, but if I got out of a boat and a naked man come running at me, I don't know that I'd have a lot of compassion. But that's what happened. But not only is he naked, he's dirty, he's unkempt, he smells. He'd been living in the cemetery for who knows how long. He was, he was the, the brunt of the jokes of the kids of the town. And he comes running out seething and spitting and angry and dirty and unattractive. But yet Jesus had compassion and love. And because he, he loved without any condition, he loved without any kind of boundary. He just was endless in his love towards people. People knew it and they flocked to him. And I think that's why he said, a new commandment I give to you. If you get this, if you begin to love one another as I have loved you, the world will know that I have come. The world will know that you are my followers. Something will happen when love is ignited in your heart and released from your life. Something will happen and you will begin to see walls come down. You'll begin to see wounds healed. You'll begin to see angry people become calm. You'll begin to see broken people be put back together. That's the power of love. You don't need no credit card to ride this train. You just need to know Jesus. You just need to know Jesus because God is love and he loved us. He genuinely loved people. How did he do that? Perhaps not in a way that we, that we think. What, what, is, what does it look like to really love people? What does it look like to really love people? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter. It's interesting, you know, you don't read anywhere in this chapter that love is that gooey feeling. Love is that twinkle in the eye that you get when you look at her and you feel drawn to her. It doesn't give anything about emotion or feeling in what is love. The world's tried to define love for generations and they can't do it. And the Bible all along has told us what it is. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. You don't have to feel love towards somebody to actually love them. Love is an action. It's a choice. It's a decision that we make. And Paul says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would just be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I would be a pain to people. If I had all knowledge and all understanding and the gift of prophecy, and I understood all of God's secret plans... 
And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Paul then goes on and says, this is what love is. Open your ears and listen up. This is what love is, he's saying to the church in Corinth. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every single circumstances. The first one he says is love is pain. Not one, one expression of feeling there. It's all choice and it's all action. Love is a verb. It's a doing word. You know, the first one he says is love is patient. I've failed so much at this thing called love throughout my life. I am one of the most impatient men I know. You know, I, I, um, I, I struggle greatly with a lack of tolerance particularly towards other people's sin. But I can be very gracious with my own. I, I have a problem with this thing called patience. You know, I, I, um, I can become very, very impatient with the faults of others and very easily overlook my own faults. Negative, whiny people annoy me. But you know something? My wife tells me, you are the glass half empty guy. Now, many of you wouldn't know that, but I am. I am negative at heart. I, I see the bad. I see the possible worst outcome could happen and it probably will happen. That's the way my mind thinks and I, I can't stand people like that. It, it's It's bizarre. People sit down and they start whining and they start whinging. I think, oh, shut up. Get a grip, will you? And then I go home and I sit there and I start whining and I start whinging. And Margot says, shut up. It's like there's no love in, in my life when I'm impatient towards people. You know, when we first started going out, well, when we were married... You know, I read a book many years ago called Why Women Can't Read Maps and Why Men Refuse to Ask Directions. Margot is useless with maps and she would be the navigator. And so we'd be driving along and, she, and I've just got this inbuilt thing inside of me. I kind of get a sense of direction. I don't always need a map to know where I'm going. I just kind of, it's over there. I know it's that way. And she would say, up here, we're going to turn right. And everything inside of me is saying, up here, we're going to turn left. It's over. No, no, no. The map says we're going to turn right. And I could feel the bubbling rising inside of me. And I was thinking, Margot, it can't be. A, I'm reading the map. You just drive. And the tension would rise in the car. And my impatience was getting really bubbling and bubbling and bubbling. And then eventually I'd take a glance. And just with a glance... Margot, the map is upside down. Will you turn it around? Oh, it is too. 
And it's like, I would be so impatient. And you know something? That is a negative trait in my life. And the Bible tells me that when I am impatient with the negative faults of others, I'm not expressing love. I'm actually being very unloving. You know, if I wasn't a Christian, road rage would be a problem to me. There are so many idiots on the road. People who have never learned to drive properly. People who haven't got a clue how to drive in peak hour traffic. And when the light turns green, you go. You don't stop and think, oh, what's over there? (laughs) Go! And you can bet your bottom dollar when they eventually go, the light turns orange as they're just about to cross the line and then they decide to stop. (laughs) And on the inside, I'm being very, very ungodly. I think if I wasn't a Christian, I'd probably get out of the car and I'd abuse somebody. But you know, the Bible tells me that's not loving. When when, when my kids were little, my boys were young, I was so impatient with those boys. You know, and and I'm not proud of that. We'd go away camping and we'd have to put up the annex and it was horrendous. Margot would take Caleb generally and go for a walk, just refuse to be around. And Joel, soft, little Joel, would end up helping dad. And, you know, poor Joel, by the end of it, he's going, Dad, I'm doing the best I can. Well, you're not trying hard enough, are you? (laughs) And everybody then stops and watches the poor guy who can't put up the annex, who's got a son that he's now yelling at, who's doing the best he can. You know, something, it's like, and I was a Christian minister. (laughs) But the Bible tells me I was very unloving. The Bible tells me that I lacked love because love is patient. And I remember one day we put the annex up, Margot and Caleb had gone and, and we had to pull the annex through this track and we finally got it and I felt okay and I got up the other end but I forgot that the door was open on the caravan and the pointy bit of the corner of the aluminium door was sticking onto the annex so I just gave it this almighty reef and then we heard this rip and the rip was right over where the boys' beds were, were going to be. And it was like, it was just, it was horrible start to the holiday. But it's the way I was. But you know something? The Bible tells me I was a very unloving father. When I lacked tolerance, when I lacked patience, when I lacked that, that let's stop and work this out together. I don't care if it takes an extra few hours. Let's just do this together. I, I was a very, very impatient person. And it's still a weakness in my life. I want what I want and I want it now. And the instant society we live in does not help me. Because I do, I want it now. And I ring up, have you got one in stock? No, I haven't. Who's got one in stock? Can you get it? When can you get it? How quick can you get it? Well, where is it? It's in Sydney. Well, I'll drive down and get it. Rather than, well, I can have it here tomorrow. I don't want it tomorrow. I want it now. And it's like it's a weakness in my life, but I need the help of the Holy Spirit for me to, if I'm impatient and I'm intolerant, and I, you know, and I, I, I don't bear with the faults of other people. The Bible says I lack love and I don't know God because God is love. Is this okay? It's all right. I hope, I hope it's okay. Love is kind. I can redeem myself on this one. I can. I remember years ago, I've never forgotten this. We, we owned the Subway store in Maitland Mall. And uh, we had a really busy lunch hour. And we had a production line going. And the line was out the door. And people are on their lunch break. We're trying to make sub sandwiches as fast as we could so people could get their lunch and get back to work. And they weren't going to walk out of the line and go to the shop down the road. It was competition, you know. And, and, and 
I'm working the cash register, the staff are making the sandwiches that get to me, I'd ring up the thing and this lady stands in front of me and she looks up at me with horror on her face and said very, very quietly, I've forgotten my purse. And I looked at her, I said, it's okay, it's on the house, take it and go. She went, thank you, I'll come back tomorrow. And she just walked off with it. I never thought more about it, never thought another thing of it. The next day she walks into the shop when there's nobody in the store. She hands me a scratchy. She says, your act of kindness saved me so much embarrassment. She said, I I felt so humiliated. She said, and I was expecting you to just say, well, bad luck. You know, she said, but your act of kindness, to me, I I never gave it another thought. But when I thought it through afterwards, I thought it was an act of kindness. And she came back, she paid for the roll. I told her, I said, I don't want the money for the, the roll. She gave me the scratchy. I thought, I'm going to win big. <laughs> Didn't win a thing. It was just one of them. Not even $2. Didn't even get $2. I never win anything, you know. But she said, your act of kindness. She said, you know, there's something in the Aussie culture that laughs at others being embarrassed. Laughs at the misfortune of others. But the Bible says love is kind. Love covers the misfortune of others. Love protects them. You know, I did not know that woman, but I loved her. That's what the Bible tells me. I had never met her before. And I've never come across her path since. Not that I'm aware of. But I loved her. Because it was an act of love. It wasn't a feeling. And the Bible says love is patient. Love is kind. Love is a, a, a generous putting out of oneself to help someone else. I, I, I came across the story again recently of the little boy who wet his pants in, in class at school. And he's sitting there absolutely humiliated, worried sick about what his future is now going to look like when everybody finds out he's piddled his pants. And he's sitting there and he's just thinking about what I'm going to do. And then he sees the teacher walking towards him about to be exposed, about to be uncovered, when suddenly another little girl is walking across the room with a fishbowl and she trips and pours the fishbowl all over the little boy. He's totally soaked from head to toe. And he stands up and he looks at the water all over his clothes. And then the teacher averts her attention to scold the young girl for her careless action. And afterwards, the little boy goes to the girl and says, you did that on purpose, didn't you? She said, I wet my pants in class once too. It was an act of kindness. It was protecting from humiliation. You know, are, are, we, are we covering people? Are we protecting people? Are we being kind? That's what extravagant love is. That's what love is all about. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love isn't jealous. You know, it's not love that's blind. It's jealousy. Jealousy is what is, what is blind. Jealousy is the tie that binds and binds and binds and binds. Love is not the tie that binds. Jealousy is far more binding than love will ever, ever be. Jealousy is a, is a mental cancer. I was reading last night the story of the two prostitutes in 1 Kings chapter 3. Two prostitutes who shared a house together. They both became pregnant. They both gave birth. And one night, one of the prostitutes rolls over onto her baby and smothers the baby unknowingly, wakes up and the baby's dead and the prostitute takes the dead baby and swaps it with the baby that belonged to her friend in the other room. And then when the other lady wakes up, she goes to feed her baby, recognises that it's not her baby 
and the other woman refused to give the baby back and uh, there was a law case, a lawsuit, a court case, whatever you want to call it, and they present before the king. And Solomon has to determine who's right, who's wrong, and they're both arguing, this is my baby. And, and uh, you know, the other woman who was not the mother is standing there demanding that the baby be given to her and Solomon says, bring me a sword and says, cut the baby in half. They can have half each. And the woman who was the mother said, no, don't. Just give her the baby. It's okay. And immediately Solomon said, she's the mother. Give her the baby. But jealousy will, will drive us to do some of the most depraved things. If you are jealous of the person sitting next to you, if you are jealous of the person sitting on the other side of the room, love is not working in your life. It's the opposite. Love is not jealous Love does not get resentful over other people succeeding. It doesn't get resentful over other people doing better than us. Love is not jealous in that love says, I'm happy pursuing what God has called me to do and I will cheer everybody else on regardless of how good they're doing because I'm content doing what I'm called to do. Stories told of two shopkeepers who were rivals and their shops were across the road from each other and and uh, every day, both of them would watch each other as a customer would go through the other person's door. The one who got the customer would sneer at the other one because they got a customer and the other one didn't. And one night, an angel appears to one of the shopkeepers and says, I'm going to grant you whatever you want. He said, you ask me whatever it is your desire is, whatever the desire of your heart is, you ask me and I'll give it to you. And the shopkeeper thought about it for a minute and the angel said, before you say... He said, you've got to understand this. Whatever it is you ask me for, your rival over the road will get twice as much. So if you ask me for a lot of money to be rich, you need to know that your real rival over the road is going to be twice as rich. If you ask me, I want to live a, a long life and a healthy life, then you need to know that your rival over the road is going to live a longer life and a healthier life. Whatever you ask me for, he's going to get double. So what is it that you want? And the man stopped and thought for a moment, and he said, I want you to strike me blind in one eye. <laughs> Jealousy can drive us to do some of the most depraved of things. We don't want others to succeed. We don't want others to do better than us. We want what we want, and we want to be the shining light above anybody else. And jealousy, it's not love. Love is not jealous. Love cheers one another on. Love releases. Love encourages. One, one way to find out if you have jealousy in your heart and not love is to stop and say, do I find it easier to weep with those who weep than I do to rejoice with those who rejoice? And too often in the church today, we have people weeping with those who rejoice and rejoicing over those who, who weep. And it's often driven by jealousy. Jealousy is a sure indicator that we loveth not love is not boastful <laughs> being excited by the stories of others more than by telling or boasting about our own stories imparts value to people being a good listener imparts value to people I joined about five six years ago a thing called a renewal retreat group and it's, it's cross-denominational pastors getting together once a year for a four-day retreat where iron sharpens iron and we encourage one another. And over the four days, everybody tells their story. 
We all sit in a big circle and we just tell our story. This is our journey. This is the challenges I'm facing. These are the storms that I've had to weather. These are the difficult times. These are the the wins, the successes, the breakthroughs that I've had. And we we share our story. And and when I first joined the group, everything inside of me wanted to interrupt while the other guy was telling the story. Everything inside of me wanted to say, oh, look, I think if I was you, what I would do to fix that is this. Or if I was in your shoes, this is how I would. But you're not allowed to do that. It's one of the rules of the renewal retreat group is you just get to sit and talk while others just listen. And I found it so therapeutic while I was talking and others were listening. But when it came time for me to listen to everything inside of me, it's like, I want, I want to add to this. I want to, but you're not allowed to. And so I'm sitting there. But you know something? I've learned to stop, shut up and listen. And that's the biggest cry of the human heart is just to be heard. But not only to just be heard physically, but to be heard in a way that they're understood. People are in pain today and they need to sit and they need to talk. They need to offload. They don't need often advice. And generally, when people are allowed to talk and just pour it out, they generally solve their own problems. I found counseling is easy if you just shut up and let people talk. They sort themselves out. And often God comes into the equation, you know, but, but too often, particularly in the Australian culture, we, we want to outdo your story. You know, I, I caught a, a 10 pound Jewfish and someone else said, oh, really? Oh, that's good. Yeah, I got a 20 pounder. It's one upmanship. We're always got to do better than the other one. And it doesn't build relationship and it's not love. You know, love is not boastful. Love just wants to listen and say, wow, you got a 10-pound juvie. That's fantastic. It doesn't matter that i got a 20-pound. I don't even want to tell him. So that's great. And someone just feels good about having done something really good. And, and I just took the time to listen. Love listens. Love doesn't talk. Love listens. And if we want to have love in our life, we need to be patient with those around us. If we want to have love in our life, we need to look for random acts of kindness where we can, we can just bless somebody and help somebody and care for somebody. I, I took a guest speaker a couple of years ago out to a really nice restaurant in Newcastle and we're sitting there and there was another couple in the church happened to be in the same restaurant at the same time and uh, we, we said hello, we exchanged greetings and they gave us the space because Margot and I were talking to the guest speaker and we, we ate a really nice lunch and at the end of the lunch I went to pay the bill and the owner of the restaurant said, oh, that couple that you spoke to, they paid your bill when they left. It was a random act of kindness. I just felt so blessed, so encouraged. It was love. We, sh- we should be looking for opportunities like that just to be kind to people. Just to be generous with one another instead of trying to outdo one another. And, and, you know, look, honestly, this whole thing about talking and listening, it's one of the most therapeutic things for us to do is to learn to listen. Someone said years ago, and I've never forgotten it, God gave us two ears, one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. But the one-upmanship, it's an Aussie thing. You know, I, I can do better than you. I, you know, and I've, I've shown this in church before, but I... I love it so much. I've decided I'm going to show it again this morning. But those of you who have never heard of the Four Yorkshiremen, it's a Monty Python skit, four Yorkshiremen that are just sitting around drinking fine wine and smoking Cuban cigars. And they're reminiscing about the past. And it's all about one out doing the other. Have a look at this. You might need to dim the lights for the screens to be, to be seen. But this is such a good clip about what we tend to do 
when we should be shh and listening. Love is the theme for the month. And yes, it's about the love of God being poured out upon us. But when we allow his love to be worked in us and then through us, we're going to start making a difference to the broken people that walk through the doors of our church. You're going to start feeling more loved because those around you are going to start expressing it in very, very practical ways. As you start to express it, you're going to feel more loved because what you sow is what you reap. If you're a good listener, you're going to find people are going to start listening to you. If you're not boastful, people are going to start praising your journey, encouraging you in your journey, uplifting you in your journey. You see, that's what love is all about. Love is a practical doing word. There are some people that are very, very difficult to love. Their behavior, their attitudes, they can be obnoxious. They can be bombastic. They can be people that you think, oh, I don't want anything to do with them. Just be patient. Just be patient. You don't have to live with them. Pray for their spouse when you get home. They've got to live with it. You know, let's, let's just be a little more thoughtful in this month as we lead up to Christmas and then into the new year and beyond because love is what will change the world. Love is what will send the message that Jesus is among us and that Jesus is binding us together and that we are truly his disciples. Love is an action word. It's not a feeling. But let me tell you something. Feelings do come. When I first met Margot, I had feelings. Believe me. I knew she's the one. Her father had other ideas. But I knew she was the one. But I had feelings. But I had not yet begun to love her because love was not feelings. Love is respect. Love is care. Love is patience and kindness. Love is something that we do, not something that we feel. And as a result, the feelings will always follow. Amen? If our band can come back. just want you to close your eyes right where you're sitting. Just bow your heads for a moment. Father, I pray today that we would all get a revelation of how much you love us. Because it's only when we feel and see and know and experience your love for us that that same love can be outworked through us. I pray, Lord, today that your Holy Spirit would hover over us, wrap around us. And, and Lord, that we would, we would become conduits of love. We would become carriers of love, We would become contagious with the love of God. Father, we would be people who are patient, people who are kind, people who are not boastful, arrogant or rude, people who are not irritable. Because the list goes on, and we haven't covered all of them today, but the list goes on. We, we, we are not envious. We are, we are not irritable. We are not people who keep a record of when we are wronged, but we quickly let it go, wipe the slate clean and move forward. Lord, I pray that you would impart your love to us, that we might be carriers of that same love. Lord, those that have not felt love throughout their life, I pray that experience your love today in a way that they have never known before. I pray your presence would envelop their lives. I pray, Lord, that your peace, your comfort, your strength, your grace would come upon them and supernaturally they began to see the world as you see it. They begin to see broken people as you see them. Father, I pray today that you would do a supernatural miracle in every one of our hearts. Just while your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed this morning. If you've come into the meeting today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal friend, you've 
never opened your heart and invited him into your life, let me tell you something. He's the greatest carrier of love the world has ever known. He was the son where God so loved the world. He was the one that was sent. And he went willingly to that cross that we might live, that we might experience forgiveness, that we might know reconciliation with our Father in heaven, that we might be healed and restored, the wounds that we have received to be soothed and put back together, the pains that we carry to be eliminated. Our desire as a church is to see people come to know you and the power of your resurrection. If that's you today, you've come into the meeting and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you would like to experience him today, why don't you raise your hand right where you're sitting? I'll see it. God will see it. I'll know to pray for you. I'll close the meeting with a prayer that will include a prayer that that God will touch you and reveal himself to you. If that's you, very quickly, raise your hand right where you're sitting. And I'll know to pray for you that you're saying, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I want the love of God to be shed abroad in my heart by the power of heaven today. Is there someone this morning who want to raise your hand right where you're sitting? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hold it up high. I'll see it. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down again. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want to see your hand and to know that we can get something to you at the end of the service so that I can identify you. But I want to know to pray for you specifically. If that's you, I'm about to pray. Just raise your hand right where you're sitting. Father, I thank you for your presence in the house today. Perhaps there are people here who would like to raise their hand, but something's just holding them back. I pray you continue to work in their heart, work in their life, work in their mind. Lord, I pray that that you would continue to draw them into your presence. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as a church to become more loving, that we would actually be doers of the word and we would be loving in our expression, not just in our feelings. Father, today, let your Holy Spirit hover over us, draw us, I pray, to a deeper knowledge of your word, a deeper knowledge of who you are and your grace towards us who believe. And I pray, Lord, that that prophetic word that was spoken just uh, a little while ago in our service, Father, would become so real to us that we would realize you're just a, uh, a step away just to grab your hand, that you are holding us firmly. And Lord, I pray we look to you our strength, our shield, our protector, our provider. In Jesus' name.